Hey everybody and welcome again to the Funky Durian Podcast. I'm Panda Express. And I'm Jolly Bee. Hey. And here we are again. Yes. Our third podcast, bitch. Third. How did we make it this long? I don't know, but again, no one's listened to our first and second one so far, so who cares? All right. So we're just talking to ourselves with a microphone in front of us. Um, Yeah, so we're here. Um, So yeah, today we are going to be talking... um, you know, our usual thing, Asian spotting. I know, which is probably, I think, is one of your favorite shows of the season, last season. Yes. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I know. I just got to watch it on Netflix, which is pretty cool. So we'll talk about that, right, for Asian spotting. Yeah. And we wanted to talk a little bit. We talked something about this last week about Justin Lin doing the new Star Trek. And there was some news this week about um, John Cho's portrayal of Sulu, the helmsman of the USS Enterprise, um, being gay in this wow, movie, which no is kind way. of a big deal. John Cho gay? What would you and, say? And, and as much as that sounds like good news, um, George Takei, who we all know and love, love. Um, who is the original Sulu from the original Star Trek series, um, wasn't exactly super happy about it. So we'll get into that and see... and figure out, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for the new Sulu to be gay. Oh, a surprising news. My gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other than that, hey, how's, you know, how's your week been? I, I've been noticing that there's a lot of fudgesicle rappers <laughs> and lying around your apartment and like you fed us. Thank you for dinner. But that was a lot of food. Well, um, I need to feed your big ass, yeah. you know, but... Okay, panda, uh, <laughs> panda express. And I need to feed my ass. I'm a big panda, too. Uh, but, you know, like the saying goes, you know, when you're when you're depressed, you eat. So Is that how the saying goes? That's how it goes, I guess. No, I've been, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been in a weird space. And you know that I've been living abroad for a long time. Yep. And then I came back this year. Thankfully. Uh, in February, uh, because I was engaged to get married, you know, with, yeah. my, with my Korean boyfriend that I was living with in Seoul for the past two years. And uh, like many of the people who are friends of mine who be listening to this podcast know. Like nobody uh, listening nobody, to the yes. podcast, right? I haven't really posted anything. And what's happened is a lot of friends of mine have been asking other friends of like, oh my God, so Panda is uh, married now, huh? He, the, the, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, people still don't know because I haven't posted anything on Facebook to my marriage status and, and I'll just be blunt and I'll just say it out loud, but you know, and explain really quickly that I am no longer, um, I no longer have a fiance, (laughs) which is so sad. So we broke things off in February when I first arrived in the U.S. and he was to come a little bit later and then shit happens and he decided to stay in Seoul and, um, of course, there's a lot of other things that happened that he did that were not good mm-hmm. uh, that he disclosed, and that was oh, very sad. I can imagine, right? Yeah, you know, you, you think you know someone for three years, and then to realize that what you thought was 
what you thought of that person was actually a little bit different from what's in reality. So, I mean, and you were engaged. So. Yeah, we decided to come back here. We even found a place. Uh, we both signed uh, the apartment that I chose for him. And uh, several days later, he tells me, you know, um, the bad news. And I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, why... Right. Why don't you tell me? You had so many opportunities. I gave him so many opportunities to tell, to, to talk about things before I left Seoul, to talk about shit, you know, and, you know, he could, you know, but why tell me after we signed the lease on an apartment that I picked for you? Right. It was close to transportation and everything. So, and we're in the Bay Area, so you know if you've got a nice place, it is not coming cheap. It's it's not it's it's not so much the money, but it won yes, but it was mostly for him because it was easy for him to get around mm-hmm. since he wouldn't have a car, and I could have lived really anywhere. I mean, I could have lived up in the freaking hills, and I have a car, and I have okay. no problem, you know, save some money. But after we signed the lease, which you know, I'm like, why why you do that, you know? But anyhow, there are a lot of shit that uh, you know things happen, and it's out of my control, and and I've been you know a little bit of a uh, uh, loner, a recluse, past, a recluse, uh, a bear, panda in the <laughs> hibernating, hibernating in the spring. <laughs> and in a way, us, us doing this, <clears throat> us doing this podcast is a little bit of us breaking you out of hibernation, right? Yes, uh, very much so. Because I usually don't sound, I usually sound happier. <laughs> but uh, so you know, so I've, but you know, this sort of uh, feeling comes and goes. And several weeks it's good, several weeks it's not. So it comes up in that uh, goes up and down. And this past week I've been eating a lot, so you know how mm-hmm. where it went. <laughs> well, I've been benefiting because I get to eat. All well, the I always feed you, girl. <laughs> always feed and punchicles. I get punchicles. Yeah, today I had a craving for picking the picking spare ribs. I mm-hmm. really did. I mean, I could have made you or defrosted a lasagna like last time, you oh. know. But I'm like, no, no, no. that bitch is going to complain that I gave her lasagna again. Oh, I'll, I'll never complain, but so, if I have a choice between frozen lasagna and baking spare ribs, girl, I'm going to take the spare ribs. And that's why I love Grubhub. I mean, <laughs> I love it. They deliver. Oh, my God. I received, the guy delivered, uh, knocked on my door before even calling me up from downstairs, right? And I'm like, it can't be the food. The food can't be ready this fast. <laughs> and then... I receive the food, and then 10 minutes later, I get a notification on my text that the food will be delivered in the next 10 minutes. And I'm like, no, it's been really delivered 10 minutes ago. I'm like, it was so fast. And I guess the door See, must that's have been See, that's the kind of man you need in your life. No kidding. Always there <laughs> before. With picking spare ribs. That's right. And it was good, huh, the food? Yeah, it was It was good. really good, yeah, and, and it was really cheap, so. But that that's was, important. so my week has been, you know, it's been like that. So now that I've revealed this information to the people who know me, uh, don't ask me any questions. Don't bring it up. I'm single, available, and yes. trying to move on. You so know what find I'm Panda Express on Grinder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Jack D. <laughs> and Jack, Jack, Jack D. So is that what they... So we, we talked about this before. Is Do they say Jack D in Asia? Yes, we did. Because like, I, I, I think it's about... Here, I think people just say jacked, but it's but that's that a apostrophe. But really awful D. word, jacked, isn't it? Jacked. Well, 
Depends. If you're being jacked. Well, see, when I first downloaded Jack D, in uh-huh. was when I was living in Shanghai. Yeah. And it became really popular, really fast in Asia. And is and that like we the always grinder? called it Jack D. Yeah. That's like the grinder in China. It of. is, absolutely. And then, of course, others came afterwards, but... Uh, what? Lotus? Others. others oh, others. I thought you said Lotus. No, no, I thought there, there was another app I didn't know no, about. There are others who came later, and... Okay. Um, and Jack T is still the most popular in uh, in Asia. They don't use Gay.com or they don't use Grinder that much. Okay. Mostly Jack D or Jacked. Jacked. Yes. Because you can get jacked or or you could get jacked. <laughs> um, but I guess that's the goal, right? You just, you just say jacked off? Is that what yeah, you that say? Way, yeah. Okay, girl. I, I guess your week, your week must I, be going I've well. I've never downloaded that app. <laughs> well, my week. Well, okay. This week has been kind of a bitch as far as having to deal again with more shootings. And this time, of course, middle of the week, we started with Alton Sterling being shot on camera, face down, several shots in the back. We, the next day, Philandro Castile, where his girlfriend is in the driver's seat filming as there's a gun still pointed at her and Philandro and their four-year-old daughter while he's bleeding to death in the car while the cop is shouting at them and she is calmly saying this is exa- you know we're doing exactly what you asked us to do and why is my boyfriend now shot and bleeding and dying next to me that, that I'm was in the- Horrible, horrible, Just right? Horrible. Atrocious. I, yes. I, I, I actually that night I could not sleep because, and I could still hear the four-year-old in my head. And I mean, even with Alton Sterling, his son at the press conference, yeah, just really just crying and wanting his daddy back. And then you go into what is a peaceful pro- protest, which also involved. You know, working together with the Dallas Police Department, who have been hailed as leaders in, you know, in community policing and de-escalation techniques, and them being the target of some asshat, you know, trying to, you know, play Rambo and, and you know, shooting them to death, several wounded, um, one black mother shot in the process trying to protect her children. Um, What the hell? And, you know, so I, you know, I just wanted to say, even though that, you know, both of us as gay Asian Americans, I mean, obviously we're not, you know, we're not the ones at the front line of all this violence, but, um, I mean, I certainly was feeling the emotional impact of having this, all in our face, just all of it, just, you know, having those killings happen in what, what was really real time, live, you know, just recorded on camera and, and you know, cable news, whatever, you know, re, 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 rebroadcasting that stuff. And I didn't need to see everything. I didn't need to see it all. But just knowing enough that these things were, we were all point blank witnesses to and you know thank you for that thank you to the people who had the courage including 
including Diamond Reynolds, who is um, Philandro Castile's girlfriend, who was just as much a victim as anyone else, um, they have done the great thing of documenting this. And, you know, we were, you know, I, I, we've both been people that have been on the side of social justice for a long time, you and I, like since our student activist days. And I mean, we feel emotion, you know, when, you know, we're at a rally or whatever, but I don't know this, this time around, like I've, I definitely was feeling in a way, um, this really deep depression about this. And, and I, I actually don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing in terms of sparking us into action and really thinking about um, the way that we're affected by this, even though we're not directly the victims of all this violence. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, I have to admit, you know, that seeing the videos, uh, the videos was a little bit kind of a, uh, not it was it was infuriating to see it, but right. at the same time, you know, I think not just me, but a lot of people who've always sort of blamed the victim, you know, like mm. oh, you know, since uh, uh, oh, what did that person do to deserve that the police stopped him, or what did he or she do that uh, that initiated this whole thing? You know, must have been something that he did bad, didn't obey, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have this sort of like blame the victim kind of mentality. But this time, it's you just can't because right. you see this video. Not that I don't believe the victims. Of course, you do. But, but in in the past, you've always had this almost like he said, she said kind of. Yes, because you never see narrative. that. You never see the full video. You never see the whole. You know, it's always like sort of snippets of this and that, and people saying it could have been this, it could have been that, or this. And I've always believed that that there's been racism, discrimination towards people of color, that's for sure, and women, it's, it's, that's clear. I've always been very much uh, fighting against that. But uh, it's still part of me, you know, says, oh, you know, what did he do to deserve that? Maybe he did something wrong or whatever. And clearly in the, in the shot, when they were in the car, uh, when the, 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 the girlfriend is saying, you know, he has a gun, uh, he has a permit. He has a permit. You ask We've for the driver's done exactly license. Exactly what you wanted. He's him taking to do. it out of his pocket, and you're shooting him for what? You know, it's like it's, it cannot get clearer than this. And then doing you know? nothing except continuing to point a gun. Exactly. What is going on? While he's you know? sitting there dying. It, it, you cannot deny that. You know, not at all. And uh, uh, and I think it's a, it's a wake up call to a lot of people who've always been trying to blame this and that. It's there's nothing to blame here. It's point blank obvious that something went wrong on the cop side. I mean, something something just I don't know what to call it. Purely just I don't know, just uh, reacting or poorly trained or just totally racist or totally whatever. It just does not justify someone's death. Well, and this is just a a symptom of the systemic racism that's just in there. absolutely. In that, you know, would this have... Would this same scenario have played out the same way if these victims were not black? And that's the thing. If there is a question out there, really, that's the question out there. And we we already know the answer. The... The fact of the matter is that none of this is new. The new thing is that, hey, we have smartphones. Hey, we can actually be in control of 
being witness and having everyone else be the witness to all these things. And like I said, I, it sounds crass, but I do really thank the folks who had to be the ones to be live witnesses to this trauma because they did the job. I mean, Diamond Reynolds, like bless her heart, she had the composure to know where, where this was going. She had the composure to say, I know where this is going. My boyfriend is dying right here, but really it is history that is going to allow us to wake up and see this is what we've been talking about for years and years and years for the entire history of this country and before. And, you know, thankfully we have these documents now. And I hope that this serves as a wake-up call. Again, we, we ourselves are not the victims directly of this kind of discrimination and this kind of violence, but I think we both like are firmly in belief that Black Lives Matter. And, you know, it is not all lives matter. It's not blue lives matter. It's, it really is when you are, when you, when this community is the inordinate victims of this kind of discrimination systematically and forever, like we have to actually finally stand up and stand up with our black brothers and sisters and say, yes, black lives do matter. Um, and you know, honestly, Ms. Queen Beyonce has already been telling us, <laughs> girls, you better get information, girl. You better get behind this. Mm-hmm. You better get behind this Black Lives Matter movement, and you better start calling it out. You better, you better bear witness. You better get information and get with the program. And if there's anything out of all of this, I think we've all been woken up to this, and we can no longer stay quiet, and we need to recognize the biases within ourselves and we need to keep moving forward in the movement um that was pretty heavy i know it's a heavy heavy week it's a heavy week girl (sighs) so but we gotta move on we gotta move on and with this podcast we gotta move on we're we'll be back with more silly stuff So we're back, and we're now going to talk about Asian spotting. That's right. And that's something that I know that you would like to talk about, because I've heard from you and other friends about this really good show that you guys have been talking about forever. Yeah. And I'm so behind, and I have been behind because I just saw it on on Netflix, and I know you guys have been seeing it all last year. But you're all cut up. Now I am, because this is on Netflix. Yeah. So it's the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, <laughs> right? Which I know is one of your favorite shows. Oh, it's totally... Uh, I think... Uh, I may even go out on a limb and say, was that my favorite show last season? Um, yeah. I mean, it was something that I was watching um, the whole time, actually, when it first aired on the CW, um, which is the network. If you, <laughs> A lot of you probably have never even watched the network because, you know, it's all... Like, well, it's catered for little... Teenage boppers. Uh, teeny, teeny boppers, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like, what else is on? It like, um, sometimes I watch The Flash on the CW. Sometimes, you know, actually I don't watch Arrow. But, um, you know, the CW, it's known uh, as, you know, a channel for 
for soapy teen dramas. But um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a complete departure from that, right? Yeah, because the characters are a little bit older, probably late 20s. I think late 20s or yeah. early 30s. Well, supposedly late 20s, even though they're probably all in their 30s, right? Right. And what <laughs> I found it great was that the main character, you know, the love interest, was this Filipino guy, Filipino actor. And Well, you know, so even back up. So yeah. really, the show is really about, it follows the life of um, a character, um, Rebecca Bunch, who right. is played by Rebecca Bloom, who's actually a... Um, she's a YouTube star who was doing musical numbers uh, that she wrote herself and produced the videos and created this TV show, which is about her following this love interest of hers back from her teenage summer camp, um, leaving her high power uh, partner job at a law firm, essentially to chase after a guy she had seen after 10 years after after her high school romance and moving across the country to West Covina, California. San Gabriel Valley. <laughs> so Southern California for you guys. Um, and lover of life, Josh Chan. And he's adorable. He's adorable. He's adorable. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought the show was really interesting about, you know, how I, for the first time I've ever really seen uh, the love interest be an, an Asian character, an Asian guy. And uh, I just thought it was really great. And you see so many Asian people in it. Yeah. So, so Vincent Rodriguez III, he's, he plays um, Josh Chan. And he's an Asian bro. That's the, that's the term that they use as writers and producers of the show. Um, and that's who they wanted to portray. They wanted Josh uh, Vincent to to portray, really. Yeah, because the I read something that the the writer uh, she grew up with a lot of uh, Asian Americans, and she thought that it would be different to put a main character with a love interest to be an Asian guy, since she grew up with so many Asian bros, as she says. Right. You know? So I think it's kind of cool, and also you know, I mean, she, she they they they. Tape it in in West Covina. Is it where they tape it? Because there's a lot of Asian people everywhere. <laughs> there is, and uh, that's something that's remarkable. Like we have friends who um, grew up in San Gabriel Valley, like in that area. There's West Covina. There's Alhambra. Yes, my uh, parents live there. My parents are from San Gabriel. Yeah. Rosemead. Yes. Yeah, but I didn't grow up there. Right. We they moved after. And, after. You know, one of my really good friends. She she she's definitely West Covina. Yeah. Um. And so the fact of the matter is that they are they're really true to representing uh, to to representing that area. Not just the fact that you know, oh, they they break out street names that are real, and like when the folks from that area hear them, they're like, oh my gosh, that's totally that street that you hang out at, or that's where you go watch movies, or or whatever. Um, it's the fact that the texture of everything there there is a certain Asianness to it all, very Asian. But especially with the with the with the boba tea house where they oh my gosh, getting yes. boba drinks. So I mean, instead everybody's of, getting boba instead of going to like if this was Friends, 
right. instead of going to Central shop, Park, Central. they're going to like the Boba Hut, which is what you do, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It might not be a patio in somebody's <laughs> looks yeah. like somebody's backyard, but it's but yeah, people. That's what people do. They go. That's to the what boba they do. Yes, yeah. there's so many boba shops in in in, in uh, Monte and Alhambra. I mean. Anywhere you go, there's tons of them, and it's kind of funny that they, that's where they meet a lot of times at the boba place, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's it's. It, what's funny is that this is probably first of all, it's the best show on TV that nobody is watching. Like, I was very scared that it was on the bubble of being canceled. Yeah, you. Well, why is that? Why why wasn't it being? What wasn't it popular? It's such a, it's so fun because it's so gay. It has so many musicals. <laughs> Maybe that explains it. I don't know. Really? I don't oh, think I it, love it. I don't think musical things are up everybody's, you know, alley. You know, I mean, this is in the age of post Glee, right? I mean, Glee kind of, I think, proved that you can have these like out of nowhere musical numbers. Um, be out there and people not being alienated by them. At the same time, all of the songs in the show are original. Um, uh, Rebecca Rebecca Bloom writes it along with the, the musical director, I think, and um, they're all performed by people on the cast. Um, but they're hilarious songs. They're they, really. I mean, if, if you haven't seen uh, any episode, you, you have to watch. You, you have to keep an eye for the musicals when they come out. You know, because they're so. Uh, they're really original. They're really funny, and they're right on point. I mean, the, the la- lyrics. The last episode that we both just rewatched because we were we were just trying to remind ourselves of just like how amazing this show is. I mean, she's singing this song about how she has these double D boobs, yes. and that they are. She compares them to to you know toddler heads <laughs> to white dwarf stars because they're like super dense and can actually deal some damage if they hit you that's and, right and swinging and they around, bounce and that they're heavy <laughs> heavy boobs and um and you know also making fun of like oh you may fetishize these big boobs but they're heavy and they're they're full of yellow fat <laughs> exactly that's so gross <laughs> But it, you know, that's that's her humor. She's really self-effacing. She's really, um, you know, there's a song in one of the really early episodes where she's getting ready for a date, and she just describes all the hideous, gross things that women do to get ready for a date that men really don't even have to think about. Right. And and it's all set to like a Nicki Minaj like um, song and video, and it's 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 amazing, but. The thing that like caught our eyes for Asian spotting, at least again, is you know, um, Vincent Rodriguez the third. He is the he is the apple of Rebecca's eye, and you know he's in every episode. He is one of the leads. But not only that, like they really do a good job of making him not just like fully fledged character, but actually have him having this very filipino backstory his, very his, filipino. his they make this whole point of how rebecca is even trying to get in good with his family and you know her kind of crazy ideas of how to get in good with them which is like get herself invited to thanksgiving and pull out the most filipino dish ever that she could come up with which is dinugulan which do you know what dinugulan is well, according to the show, I thought it was like 
pig's blood with pig something. It's yeah, it's it's pork and blood. Oh god. And it's it's black. It's black? Yeah. Oh, and it's gross. it's not something I mean it's not something that I would expect my mom to ever make, but that's a whole other story. But never mind, you know, Rebecca Rebecca Bunch on the show who's, you know, a nice Jewish girl from the East Coast, like, making blood pork stew. I know. That is crazy. Not that, quite that, kosher. That was, a fun, <laughs> that was a funny episode when she goes to Thanksgiving to the family. And who's, yes. who's Josh's mom? Amy Hill. Amy Hill. And if you don't know who Amy Hill is, I mean, she's, I think, She's an Asian American comedy icon, yes. really. If you if you heard our last podcast talking about um, Fresh on the Off the Boat and and All American Girl, she was the grandma on yes. <laughs> on on Margaret Cho's show yep. All American Girl, which is kind of funny because they kind of reversed her aging process in a way, right? Because she was Margaret Cho's grandmother, grandmother. and now she's. The, the mother. mother of twenty-something-year-old Josh Chan. I know she she looks so, good. Yeah, but she, I'm like she she yeah raisin, she's on Asian the, don't raisin. As she's on the older side, you know, but she but looks good. I was like, yeah. uh, you know, great. That's and what she in that episode she rapped. Remember? Yeah, with a full-on those fake uh, with a grill grill. Yes. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, Amy Hill is magic. Um, Actually saw her live here in San Francisco for yeah. a one woman show before, and she's amazing. Um, and she's she's one of those Asian American actresses who's played everything under the sun, but in her own her own particular Amy Hill fashion, and and we love her. She it's funny because I I say she she gets the Filipino accent. You say you hear like Chinese mom out of it a little bit. <laughs> I, I I didn't see the Filipino accent. That heavy, I thought maybe you know, but b- b- what what is Filipino accent? I mean, their last name is Chen, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, and like I was, I was confused. Chinois, I was confused whether her husband was Chinese or I don't know the Chen because I don't know a lot of Filipinos who have the last name Chen. Even though I know that in Philippines there are a lot of Chinese people, you know, there's a lot of different <laughs> surnames going on. I know, I know that typically you expect. Um, Filipino surnames to be Spanish yes. in origin, but yeah. there's a lot of different yeah. Yeah. names in the Philippines. Oh no, she she is she is, she was hilarious. I actually met her in 1996. Oh damn! Uh, when I was the hostess you... to uh, a pageant show, and she was one of the judges, and she was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> But she's she's an icon. And speaking of Asian American icons, who shows up later? In the oh season? my god! Of course, your favorite singer, Leia Salonga. Uh, yes, and Did play, we bring her? We're playing a Filipina for the first time ever. Right? Like well, I we were just talking about this. I don't remember when Leia Salonga ever played her. Basically herself or her own. I know, I know. That was so background. funny. The whole skit where about she was star search or whatever, you know. Yeah. And Amy Hill putting her down. This is just hilarious. It yeah. was really funny. Yes. I mean, and that is Leia Salonga. I mean, that's how she got discovered, Miss Saigon. But not on a reality show. But I mean, she w- she did go through the audition on camera, and it it, it is funny in that way. Um, but yeah. Can't recommend Crazy Ex-Girlfriend more. It, again, it is <laughs> somehow the most incidentally authentic Asian show on TV right now. And 
I love it. I I am glad it is coming back for a second season. Um, I I can't wait. I hope that I hope that I I don't know if they have a full season by for next season, but I I really hope they do. And the fact of the matter is, like what we've what we started off saying, you know, earlier in this podcast is. You may not see a lot of Asians on TV, but if you want to see Asians on your screen, it's Netflix. Like the fact of the matter is that all of all of these all of these things now, like people are where people are seeing Asians in significant roles are coming out of Netflix. Or if you if they were on TV, you can catch up on Netflix. So Yeah, well I'm glad that you guys told me about the show forever and I was only able to watch it. I know on my Netflix account. So when I saw, oh my God, it's here! I've got to watch it. And then I got stuck on it, and I've watched it uh, seventeen episodes in two days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit, you know, I'm going crazy right now because because I could be the crazy ex boyfriend right now. <laughs> um, but you're not because it, you know you're not chasing after your ex boyfriend. Oh, 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 fuck no! You're, yeah, did we just talk about this? <laughs> Get it together, girl. You are over it. No, no, no. Once it's dumped, it's dumped. It's over. It's over. It's over. Let it go. Let it go. You just press the toilet thing and it goes straight down. I don't care. It's shit. That's what it is. Flush it out. I don't give a shit. All right. Well, you're not the crazy ex-girlfriend, but if you want to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, yes, you can watch it on Netflix. And hopefully you'll catch it when season two comes out this fall on the CW. So, Miss Jollibee, I know this is something that you would love to talk about again yeah, because since so you are such a nerd. Yeah. It's Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah. Well, you know, I was looking through my uh, Facebook feed again, and I see this headline. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this again? Uh, John Cho is gay? What? No, I don't think so. But his character that he plays in the movie, Sulu, is now gay. (laughs) You say that like... (laughs) Oh, his this character he plays Sulu. I mean, it's Sulu. <laughs> it's Sulu. Well, I know John Cho. That's why. I, no, I'm no, like, no. But Sulu is oh. like an iconic um, U.S. pop culture icon. Star Trek: The Original Series. Sulu. I know. Last time, remember, I, I, I called him Zulu. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know, and, and you Girl. put and you put in my place. I know. So now I know how to pronounce his name. It's. it's Sulu. And uh, yeah, so now there's what's going on? Why why is Star Trek having a, a gay Sulu now? Okay, so this has been in the last week where um, there's been a lot of talk about the outing of Sulu um, as a character, as a gay man. And this was something that John Cho, um, the actor, has put out there um, as part of um, publicity rounds. And, I mean, it's pretty much been confirmed by, you know, um, the writers and cast members themselves and even the venerable George Takei, who we all know and love as the original Sulu. Yes, I do love George Takei. Everything about George Takei we love. Love, love, love. He's everybody's... And we we talked about Allegiance last time, right? And we love that, right? Yeah, absolutely. But let's... Sulu is the thing that made... uh, that put George Takei on the map for most people. Um, And so after this came out, um, 
The Hollywood Reporter had an interview with George Takei, um, basically asking him, hey, what do you think about um, Sulu in the new movie, Star Trek Beyond? Um, John Cho saying that um, he's he's going to be um, portrayed as gay, and George Takei says he's disappointed. And in fact, um, he, he really was saying that um, he's... He calls it unfortunate. He said, I'm delighted that there's a gay character. Unfortunately, it's a twisting of Gene Roddenberry, who's the creator of Star Trek originally, a twisting of his creation to which he put in so much thought. I think it's really unfortunate. And that, of course, made everyone crazy because here's George Takei, who is frankly one of the preeminent gay voices in the country whether you're a sci-fi geek or not right right i mean if you have a facebook account and you don't have george takei's feed as one of your friends like i'm sorry for you you're missing out on everything <laughs> but um you know to hear i think for a lot of people it was disappointing to hear from him saying that he was disappointed in um the character that he helped create um come out himself uh, to align with george takei's own Sexual orientation, right? Yeah, but what I understand is, you know, why why is he not supportive of it, uh, supportive of a gay character? Because honestly, you know, um, I thought Sulu was always gay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on! I mean, <laughs> why you, did you think that? I mean, I'm not sure about the acting, but wishful thinking. Well, no, I remember as a child, there's always something different about him as a character when you watch the the, the TV shows. Being Asian, uh, yes, and then and then after you watch now when I'm older and I'm out of the closet, and you look back at some of his episodes, which I saw some today, and I'm like, oh my god, he's so gay! That, I mean, what's the that difference? That baritone voice, yes, Captain. Exactly. I mean, they cast it. But I mean, that, that's like so the opposite of what most people would probably peg as gay, right? No, well, you know, we have a gaydar. I mean, clearly, if you saw that show, you'd be like, yeah, he's gay, probably, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what's kind of crazy is, so he's made that statement. He said that not only did he have a conversation with John Cho and maybe even with um, Justin Lin, who, again, we love, who's, who's the director of the helm, at the helm of Star Trek Beyond now after such a successful run of all the Fast and Furious movies, um, saying, hey, why don't you guys actually be, he said, be imaginative and create a character who has a history of being gay rather than Sulu, who has been straight all this time, suddenly being revealed as being closeted. And that's interesting because I'm saying, like, who would have a better grasp on the history of that iconic character than the man who originated and played him himself? True. That would be him, and he also did have a really good relationship with the with the uh, with Gene. What's his name? Gene Roddenberry. Gene, who, yes. if yeah, so just to say, Gene Roddenberry is to a lot of sci-fi fans, he is like the Godfather. I mean, he's definitely the father of Star Trek. It was his vision. It was him pushing forward, even getting this crazy sci-fi series um, on the air in the first place. And um, you know, they had a at all told a three three season run um but you know and then spawned this incredible em, you know cottage empire of 
movies and just like pop culture altogether. Um, right. So I maybe you can explain to me for a non trekkie or non nerdy <laughs> person because I don't really see as a big deal uh, of Sulu being gay. I mean, I think movies uh, always rewrite whatever, but I I I. I I, I'm not, I don't follow everything, so I don't know the history. I don't follow every show or every TV, sure. every, 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 every movie that came out, or what is this whole, uh, I don't know. Well, so, so but you knew, Sulu, you knew Sulu, like if I said, like, who's Sulu from Star Trek? You know, you can picture that in your head. Yes, but what's the big deal of him being turned to be gay now? I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? Well, so, you know, I think what George Takei is saying is that, you know, he... He's the one that originated the role. He played that role all the way up through um, what was really the last um, Star Trek movie that featured the original cast, which was Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and in which case he actually played a pivotal role in that film as um, a Starship captain, in fact, oh. who actually kind of saved the day. Oh, um, And, I mean, if, if you're going all the way... Th- through that entire through line of Star Trek history, yeah, all the way from the original series, all the way to what for some people um, say is actually the best Star Trek movie. I don't agree, but um, <laughs> you know you have to kind of give him credence in knowing like what his character is all about, right? Um, even I... these new movies, they're actually in their own way a continuation of all those storylines and. That's a whole crazy thing if you want to get into that. Right, that, that's exactly the point. I mean, I think, w- w- what is it that he's so averse to that the character can be written now as gay? Even though, I guess, before he was written as, as heterosexual, but uh, he seems to be really, really negative, you know, uh, con- you know, feelings about him, his character turning out to be gay and closeted, I guess. Well, I guess, I guess for him, you know, so according to him, he actually did have a conversation with the creator, Gene Roddenberry, back in the 70s, back at a pool party, where he actually, <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, you were having a poolside conversation with Gene Roddenberry about um, creating a gay character. I don't oh, know. Like, like what? Hello? You know, it was bizarre. But, but he said, you know, he had the conversation with, Jane Roddenberry about creating a gay character. And he was closeted then still. He was closeted. Yeah. He, I guess he didn't reveal his own sexuality, but he knew that Jane Roddenberry, who himself, I mean, think of it this way. He was a pioneering um, person who, he, he was pioneering in depictions of minorities on television in the first place. I mean, just, just that bridge crew. I mean, you had Uhura, who was a black woman, as an officer on a starship in the far-flung future. I mean, you have um, Mae Jameson, who's a famous U.S. astronaut, saying, hey, that's my girl. That was my inspiration to become an actual astronaut in the first place. Um, you have Sulu, who obviously we're talking about is an Asian character on this bridge when you didn't really see other Asians on TV at all. Right. Um, you had a Russian um, in... Chekhov, and we mentioned last week the, the you know the, the death of um, of the of the person portraying Chekhov in this current film um, as a Russian during the Cold War on this thing he was putting allegory over allegory of saying 
hey, in the future, we don't have all these problems with each other. In fact, we don't have the same problems we had in like, you know, Cold War America. And we don't have the same problem. Like he, you know, Star Trek is often credited as actually even portraying the first um, interracial kiss between, you know, Captain Kirk and Uhura, the communications officer. Which was a huge... Huge deal, deal right? right? During the time. In the 70s or 80s? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, early, like, um, was it 68? God, I wish I had that that year down. But, you know, groundbreaking. So, you know, to say that, you know, Gene Roddenberry, like, was not cool with having the, with the idea of having a gay character, I don't think is right. But he did say, uh, George Takei did say in his conversation with Gene Roddenberry is that he said, you know, we really have to toe the line. We're trying to stay on TV, but we're also trying to keep pushing the, this uh, envelope as far as making sure that people understand that, you know, look at, look at, the, look at our society and where we should be going. Right, so then I understand that. And if, if that's the case, if you had a conversation of having a gay character or whatever on Star Trek decades ago and to be inclusive of everything, and what would be so detrimental to Gene's memory of the show now to add him or, uh, or portray uh, Sulu as gay? Well, I think, so this is from the, I would imagine from like a geeky perspective, maybe it's not really about Gene Roddenberry, but about the continuity of the show and the show and the movies, right? So in in sci-fi geek terms, like you have canon, um, which is talking about all the continuity of the storyline from the beginning of the show all the way to the latest film, right? Okay. And so if you believe that so most people, when they talk about canon, they're saying there are things that are that are known to be immutable as the truth about this universe that's been created. Okay. And so what what uh, what George Takei is saying is that he played a Sulu that he understood to be straight, and he's understood him to be straight all the way up until his last portrayal of him which was fairly late in the game, okay. in the sixth movie. Um, we're now at a juncture where J.J. Abrams took over the direct, the producing and, produ- and directing helm of the movies. Um, and what he had done, a lot of people call a reboot, but in reality, it was a, a time-altered timeline, uh, a, an altered timeline when in the first, new Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams directed, you had Spock, who everybody knows who Spock is. The actual actor, Leonard Nimoy, again, household name, I don't have to explain that to anybody. His character, Spock, actually goes back in time to a time when, um, when, well, he affects change where things go back in time to a point before um, what to the day that Captain Kirk, who everyone knows is the captain of the USS Enterprise, the day he is born. And so if you if you take that and say, okay, everything that happened up to that point still it still remained unaltered, 
if Spock went back in time, then everything else in that timeline might have changed. But why is Sulu now suddenly gay? Does that make any sense? No. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess a lot of it depends on whether, whether or not you believe that Sulu is older than James Kirk or younger than James Kirk, whether he was born before or after James Kirk. Because the question really is, if he was born before Kirk was born, that means that if if George Takei is saying that Sulu was straight all this time, they're saying that somehow between the time that Sulu was born and when the timeline altered, he suddenly turned gay. He came out. <laughs> That's the obvious But we're saying answer. that, it, so there's that. But so the other thing is like, you know, you kind of have to respect that somebody who's dead and gone and but who was the visionary and the creator of the series if he actually if they understood and they were straight out that sulu was gay like why are they change why are they altering that now why are they why are they suddenly making him him the gay one well i read that you know justin lynn and the writer simon Pegg, they wanted to pay homage to George Takei. And they thought it would be a great idea, right? They thought that he'd be like uh, applauding and be happy, and he was the opposite. And well, I think it's a nice gesture that the writers and producers or directors want to get approval from George Takei. But I think they, they, they as, as I think, as, as for any writing kind of a movie plot, you really sort of go with wherever you want to go, and you really don't need to get authorization from an actor who played that role, even though as instrumental he was in that role, as iconic as he was, you still don't need to get approval from him to, sure. to do that, right? And of course they expected that he would be all supportive, but he ended up not being supportive. But he also had the conversation early with them, it sounds like, where they had said, hey, we're going to be doing this. And he said, mm, are you sure? Why don't, well, he, you, he had the idea. why don't you think about doing somebody else? Right, doing just a new character, right? That's what he thought they were going to do, to just a new character, right? And then they end up making him gay. <laughs> Which, you know, I and honestly, on, on some level, I appreciate them actually saying, no, we don't want to have another throw-off character. Because, you know, you probably don't know this, but supposedly there was another gay character that was that was on one of the movies which gay character exactly so in star trek first contact which was one of the movies that featured um the crew of star trek the next generation like captain picard and um lieutenant Worf, who was the the um, klingon first officer that crew okay um so the movie First Contact, they, they introduced a character named Lieutenant Hawk, who at the time, he appeared on the Enterprise as a bridge officer. Um, I don't even remember if they even mentioned him by name in the movie, Lieutenant Hawk, but there was this new guy on the bridge. And all the publicity up until that point was like, hey, there's going to be a new gay character in Star Trek, and his name is Lieutenant Hawk. And look, it's this guy. This is the actor. And on screen, it's like, cool, this guy's supposed to be gay. How do we know that? There's no evidence of this. And what do they do before there's anything that could show, you know, any evidence of him being gay? 
What? They kill him off. <laughs> they turn him into a Borg. Oh. And then he fights with um, Lieutenant Worf, the Klingon, and dies. So <laughs> if he was gay, great. Don't know that as far as like when we were talking about canon. Unless it shows up on screen, it doesn't matter. That doesn't. But then that would be a, a side or new character who, who doesn't have the relevance as the other established characters right. right so when you put sulu has as 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 gay, gay character there's a lot more empowerment than a new character who just might be a character a recurring character but he, that person is not part of the crew that we are known for that we know of you right. know so it there's not a big impact right, right. So, and so yeah i totally agree with that and and i know justin uh and he's very pro gay he's been always really cool about uh, a, a gay gay issues whatsoever. Even when I met him, when we would hang out in college, and you know, one of my fantasies came true. You know, because with Justin, no, with John, <laughs> with John. Oh, with John. Oh, excuse well, me. For those who've listened to the previous podcast, I've sort of bad mouthed John for a little bit. But you know, when I was in college with him, and we we're in the same classes, we would always be out smoking. Uh, together, he's uh, a smoker. I know he used to smoke kidding. all the time, and I always thought he was bisexual or gay because he always dressed really well. He was always in, very well dressed, very in tune with fashion. I think during the nineties, the whole thing was retro, right? So he yeah. was always dressed in retro clothing, secondhand clothing, and he was really hot. He was always really cute, and I always had a crush on him, you know. And mm. now that he's actually playing a gay character, I can fantasize really? about him actually having sex with his presumably you know husband okay yeah so you know about that too so there's a claim online that um there's a claim online that people have already seen who his husband is really yeah who well so er the early rumors that um i had heard about was there was a screenshot of a tv show um or there was a screenshot of john show on the bridge of the enterprise showing a picture of his character of sulu's daughter and there was a black man in the frame. And a lot of people were like freaking out, like, oh my God, like, you know, they're talking about Sulu being gay. And here's John Show and this man who's black, like, and showing a picture of their daughter as if, like, the man is like, so everyone was excited for this gay interracial relationship. Yes. And, but I'm like, I'm sorry if you look, that's. The reporter from Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> but you know, how how big is the role of this gay husband of his and the child? Are they part of the plot or what is it? Who knows? But there's a little more, there's a more, a little more credible source of um, where people are speculating who is Sulu's husband. Who? So. It's, it's not Panda? There. <laughs> it's not hell me? no. That's my fantasy God. only. Um, there is a weight limit on the Enterprise. No, oh, it's just gay. shit. Sorry, that was mean. <laughs> well, well I, I, I wouldn't want him to do John anyways. He's way too old. Oh, damn. Yes. Okay. It's all that makeup, you know, because he's 44. And I, he, oh. He's old. He doesn't look that young without the makeup oh, on. Oh, he looks good. Shit. Excuse me. He oh, I know. It, it, yeah, I guess. Damn. He looked much better when we are in college. Anyway, <clears throat> you're not his husband. He don't care. I wish. <laughs> so, um, apparently, if you look... The, so, this... Uh, you know, um, the claim is that if you watch um, the Star Trek Beyond TV spots, especially the one slated for Korea, 
you can see where um, um, one of the star bases that's being attacked by the aliens, uh, the alien enemies um, in the new Star Trek Beyond, um, there's some people running for their lives and you see a screenshot um, suddenly uh, amongst the crowd of an Asian man carrying um, what looks to be a toddler. I don't know what age she's supposed to be. Oh my god, what? Are there sticky rice? I don't know, but apparently the, the word is that the person in that frame is um, a screenwriter, Dog Jung. Okay. Um, who, um, I, I've not heard of him, but I guess he's, he's a co-writer on, on the film, um, along with Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty. Um, and so I think people have taken that to show some to to mean there's a significant role, and would that mean that that's Sulu's husband? Wow, is that his, so cute! Is that his? Is that his daughter? Oh wow! I I am so proud of Justin that they casted another Asian man to be with John Cho. I, I love you know, it. I'm actually I'm in a way I'm not surprised. Just knowing Justin Lin's That's history, right. right. I'm not surprised. More power, more Asian empowerment, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm going to push a little bit further. I mean, okay. this is the intergalactic story where, you know, there's species of lo- all over the ga- galaxy, right? I mean, go where no man has ever gone before. Uh, I'm all for the sticky rice thing, you know, but, you know, why, why couldn't... Uh, John's no. Why couldn't Sulu have um, a different partner? Maybe like a Vulcan or a Klingon or a you know Romulan. I mean, it could have been Romulan. I mean, it could have been Romulan. See, I can't even pronounce their freaking names. Why can't they have an intergalactic, interspecies relationship? Well, these things have happened already. They have? Well, I mean, if you've seen the last couple of movies, um, Uhura and Spock are getting it on. They have a baby? Well, who knows? Maybe they have a baby Not now. yet, right. <laughs> but, like, uh, they have an adorable baby. But, I mean, they their relationship is really key to the last two movies. And, um, and, it, and they look great together. Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock nowadays, of course, he himself is gay. And he's actually read... George Takei for filth saying like, uh, I'm disappointed that he's disappointed in this opportunity for LGBT youth to see a character like Sulu actually, you know, be out and proud, right? And he says, I hope they strengthen him to recognize that this is a big moment. But whatever, Zachary Quinto. No, I don't um, think he needs to preach to he needs to George not. Takei. I'm sorry. Exactly. You, know? I'm sorry. you don't need to do that. Bitch. That's right. I mean, George Takei of all people would never You're the be second anti, you know? Spock. He's the first Sulu. <laughs> Thank bitch. you. <laughs> Recognize. Anyway, um, so yeah, but we have seen that in the Star Trek universe before between those two. And then you want to see a baby between um, a Klingon and a Latina human, mm. you don't have to look any further than Miss Belana Torres, who is the chief engineer of the USS Voyager. 
You're yeah. such a geek. I am a geek. I'm sorry. How the fudge do you know all these names? I'm sorry. I have how no... do you how do you even remember all I these storylines? No life panda. I thought you knew this. Oh my god. I mean, I can't keep one move from the other. I don't know what happened. I mean, <laughs> besides the point I'm being seen getting senile, I don't even remember the plots from the last <laughs> movie I saw. Much less who had what with who, you know? Well, so Hey, Star Trek Beyond is coming out, so I think you have some time to get caught up. And, you know, there's only, what, um, three seasons of the original series. There's only six of the original movies. There's only, what, is it seven or eight seasons of The Next Generation? Oh, my God. Seven seasons of The Next Generation, seven seasons of... uh, Deep Space Nine. There's oh, forget seven it. Of Voy- I'm just going to watch this movie and hope it's Enterprise. good. I'm going to go there just to support Justin. That's about it. That's right. Because you know the end. There, you know, the Enterprise will emerge victorious. I mean, it's I always know. the end. It looks like the Enterprise is getting blown up. When has the good people dead? Died? Never. Um, <laughs> did you not see Spock and Kirk? Oh, okay. That was a love relationship. I'm sorry. I did, I do remember that scene where they were both like one was in the room where separated by a door and they were like like having the hand movement through the window mm-hmm. and they were touching through the glass yes, and I'm like that was so homoerotic. It was fabulous. <laughs> so you're not alone. There is a subgenre of geekdom that is all about is is all about putting different characters together in sexual or erotic uh, stories called Slash. See, that's more like me. Yes, I prefer to see that. Okay. (laughs) Well, now we know some of your kinky side. That's right. But you need some fodder, so I I encourage you to go... At the very least, you should watch the last two um, movies that J.J. Abrams produced and directed. He's also the producer on this one, and, and it's all part of the same... You don't have to go back to all your history. Maybe just watch Star Trek and then um, uh, Star Trek in the Darkness. And then now coming into Star Trek Beyond. I'm so excited. Frankly, I'm super excited to see um, Sulu as a gay character. Um, I get what George Takei is saying, but I'm happy. I'm really happy about this. Well, I have one question. You know that on July 22nd, when the Star Trek Beyond opens, you know what other movie opens that same day? What's that? Absolutely fabulous. Oh, shit. <laughs> on the same day. Which one are you going to pick, bitch? Um, I think we go to Star Trek and then sneak into Avatar. I agree. Date? Um, yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so now we're at the Sweet versus Stinky Durian, and you know, this week we have a really, really stanky durian. That oh my God, we sure do. We're just gonna just sum it up as one stinky yeah. durian. It's an old, old, old stink that we normally think is not there, but. It's an old stinky durian. It came all back, didn't it, bitch? Oh <laughs> shit. We've been doing this shit way too long. Way too long. But this one, my God. So, do you know, I'm I'm going to Vancouver later this week. Mm-hmm. And thank God, it's I got to get out of this town. But, um, so I was pleased. I, I saw in my, in my Facebook news feed a friend had 
posted about um, the CBC, um, the news over there on their website. They had a they had an article with the headline Vancouver man creates website for gay Asian men to share stories about dating discrimination, which of course is like old news. The new news, and I was really happy to learn this then, that like, I guess, remember back in the day, you know, folks who would meet from Canada would actually say, oh, GOM, G-O-M. GOM. GOM. (laughs) Gay oriental men. Oh my God. So Such wrong century. Congratulations, Canada, for not using that anymore. Yay! Yay. That's why we love you. But, um, so yeah, so this article was really about um, this guy that started a, a blog, and that blog is called The Dating Gam. So <laughs> it's not a great name, I'm sorry. Uh, TheDatingGam.com because it's like, the dating game get it like the 70s but you know his heart's in the right place and you know it's totally like just like a totally just a you know wordpress site and but he you know he's genuinely asking for people to like send in their um their personal stories about what it's been like for them as a gay asian man in dating life and you know, applause to him for that. That's the sweet durian. Okay. Here's the stinky part. The mm, really stinky, stinky part. So the friend of mine who had um, shared this, you know, of course, in Facebook, you get comments from whatever, whatever field, left field, right field. This one was from the right field, if you will. Mm-hmm. This Republican asshole who, you know, you can you can smell them right from far away right like (laughs) the gay republican who's like you look at all his shit and he's like oh i'm an economic conservative but you know (laughs) of course i'm gay so how could i be like really that bad right right we could go into that all day long we could talk about that all day long but specifically this is where he was wrong he had put out Oh wow! I don't I don't get what this guy is talking about about discrimination about gay you know against gay Asian men because in my experience going to clubs like Shangri La and Game Boy in San Francisco and if you're from San Francisco those are kind of the two major club nights for um, Asian men Asian nights if you will just like Pulse Orlando had Latin night that the terrorist had targeted right. So we have Asian Nights, Shangri-La and Game Boy. Um, He says in his experience that going to those clubs, he can't get a date from an Asian man. And as the comments rolled on, he further revealed to say that he thought it was wrong for a space to encourage um, the idea that gay Asian men should be (laughs) encouraging spaces for gay Asian men to, to um, gather with people who are also into gay Asian men. Cause that's pretty unfair to him as a white man who is himself exclusively into Asians. But what is he to do when other Asian guys aren't into him? Oh my god. Like why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't why wouldn't other why wouldn't gay Asian men be into him as a gay white man? Oh my god. And of course he's like I'm not into other white guys, but I don't say no whites. 
So what, you know, to hear, like, I've never seen in, in public spaces someone actually go say, no Asians. This must only exist online. And I'm oh like... Oh my God, what an idiot. Idiot, what an right? asshole. And of course, he's a fucking, of course he's a fucking carpetbagger, tech bro, real estate oriented. Um, just fucking the kind of people that I really just don't need in San Francisco myself, frankly. But here he is coming in and saying, trying to apply his personal anecdotal experience in the two club nights that happen in, in San Francisco, which, you know, if we're lucky, is twice, twice a month, right? Well, it's news to me that those two places are so sticky nowadays. My gosh, I should be going there more often. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, his, his theory is that he's going to these places and, and he can't, he can't catch, he can't get any honey from, you know, these Asian guys because they are encouraged in these spaces to, like, exclude everyone else. And, and he says that the evidence is his other white friends and Latino friends also say that Asians won't talk to them in those spaces. Oh, my God. What a moron. So I'm like, I feel so sorry I'm for like, sweetie. <laughs> so I, you know, I thought I was being really cute and just saying, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, you say that you going to two specific club nights in a city. That's really like going to a city and only going to two vegetarian restaurants and having your impression of that city is that everyone in that city doesn't like to eat meat <laughs> and refuses to eat meat. Well, so first of all, not the white meat at least, <laughs> I guess, but I mean, you know what I mean? I like, I'm like, you're talking about two, two nights in a month in gay Mecca. And you're saying that, you know, suddenly you are hurt because you can't you can't find Asian men to talk to you in those spaces. It's like shocker. So, uh, you know, Asian men might also who may also be into Asian men might gather there and you know perhaps talk to each other, <gasps> oh. and not you, you who come in in all your glory, hoping that you know oh because you've blessed these Asian men with your presence that suddenly they should be flocking to you. Motherfucker, please. Oh, please. He must be ugly as a... Oh, as I, I don't even want to get personal like that. <laughs> I'll I get personal. I do not want to go personal. But let me tell you this. If you are a carpetbagger bitch that comes into this city and thinks that you can come in and pretend like you know what is going on with the history of this town, you don't know shit. You do not know the levels of discrimination that Asian men have endured for decades in this town. And yes, it may be a little more invisible to you now because, girl, if you went to the cast show 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, how many Asian men do you think in a city that is one-third Chinese-American and even more so full pan-Asian-American, how many Asians did you think were even on the streets, in the clubs, in the bars? Not many. Handfuls. Not many. And they the, were probably, you know, remember? They were ID'd three times or yes. multiple identifications. Even in places where now, like, you know, back in the 90s and the 2000s, we knew of the N-Touch, right? Yes, I The N-Touch, you know, that was a, for, for gay men who are into Asian men, that was like a household name 
worldwide. If you go to San Francisco, you want an Asian man, you go to the End Touch. Yeah, it was a rice and and rice and potato field. Right. Yes. And if you, <laughs> but before they got that reputation, what were they trying to do? They were trying to control the number of Asians that were going into that bar by checking three forms of ID That's of right. Asian men. That's right. So that can't be dismissed as not discrimination. I am sorry. But even but nowadays, even, I mean, look at look at all these Jack D and, and Grounder or whatever. Grinder or whatever. Grounder. Grounder. That's what it should that's, be That's like. the problem. You're going that's on the what, wrong app, girl. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Shit, I was looking for a bus Got station. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, it's, it's always says, you know, no fems, no fats, and no Asians. And I'm like... What am I to do? I mean, I fit all three categories. Exactly. You need your own app, girl. That's right. I do. It's called yeah. Grounder. <laughs> but you You're know, like... it's 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 such a, a overt racism, and and to excuse, to use the the same explanation that I just prefer one over the other, it's just total. Uh, you're just stupid. I thought to say you're a racist. Period. You're a racist. You're a period. Period. There's no more else to say. If you want to hide beyond that excuse, you know. So here's the thing. You'd think that's the case, but in reality, you go to any of those spaces. There's always people go there with their friends. People go there, whatever their whatever their you know spoken or unspoken racial preferences. Right. I mean. I'll cop to it. I'm I'm the last person you would even peg to even, if you saw me on the street, like most people don't actually think that I'm Asian. If somebody thinks I'm Filipino, I'm like, you know, bless you, you know a little more about my people <laughs> than a lot of folks. But, you know, I'm the last person that I think in a place like Shangri-La or Game Boy that someone's going to come up to me thinking like, Hey, I'm going to bag this, you know, Asian boy cuz I'm not I I'm just not that type. But, you know, I also know that there are guys that I'm going to talk to that are into me. And that has nothing and, and I don't I don't think right off the bat that oh, it's because this is an Asian guy that wants, you know, fill in the blank. It's that hey, maybe he's interested in me. Maybe I'm interested in him. Probably not, but you know, and probably not them interested in me. But hey, that's just the case of the scene. Now, if I have an Asian night, there's a reason why I have to have an Asian night. Because that's saying that if I go anywhere else, there is some chilling effect going out there why Asians otherwise don't feel welcome. Thankfully, in this day and age, that's not as apparent. Like, you can go to the Castro now, you can go to any bar, and yes, you will see Asian folks. Not every bar, I'm going to say right off the bat, you go to certain bars in the Castro, you still will not see a whole lot of Asian faces for whatever reason or Midnight another. Midnight like, <laughs> I wasn't even going to call that. But, you know, you know, I mean, Moby Dicks, that is like a frat boy. Like, that is such a frat boy scene that I'm like, I, you know, I'm not saying that... I'm not even saying that Asians are not welcome there. I'm just saying that that's not the space where I would expect to see a lot of Asian faces. You know, 440 Castro. Yeah, I'm not expecting to see a lot of Asian guys there. I might see, I might expect to see some Asian guys that are into like burly kind of bearish daddies mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. I mean, that's the bar that used to be called daddies. Mm -hmm. But I'm not predominantly going to expect that. And, you know, whatever. That's just the nature of things. But for you to come in as a white man expecting that 
people are going to be throwing their panties to the ground because you as a white man <laughs> deigned to come into Asian spaces. Give me a fucking break. And the reality is, is that we've needed these spaces in the, for a long time. And there used to be more of them. Do you remember back in the day, girl, there was Club Asia. Yes. There was Club Dragon. Yes. There were, you know, before Asia. The box. Like, the box was like more diverse. But yeah, oh, yes. there was a hell of a lot of Amazing. Filipinos there. So much fun. You know, like. I wanted to hang out with my Filipino friends. That was where we went, girl. Yes, that was the best ever. You know, Jaded. Oh, my oh, God. Jaded, Jaded. That's right. I miss Jaded so much. Started by Asians. Yes, gay. That's right. Lesbians. And honestly, and, and yeah, and that was a co-ed, co co-gender it was, space, yeah. right? Women and men. Yeah. Which had nothing to do with whether, oh, wow, I'm an Asian guy, like, um, or I'm a guy who likes Asian guys. I guess, I guess I better go to Jaden and try to ignore half the pussy around here. <laughs> Fuck you. It's not for you. Of course you. not. You know, it is a lot. You know, Asian folks are allowed to gather in places where, you know, you could try your luck. Hopefully you'll get a date. But if you don't get one, it's not because Asian men are hating on you, asshole. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's this rice queen crying foul for being completely, you know, shoved off. And, you know, I mean, let me tell you, let me ask you this question. Do you think this white boy, whoever he is, would have the audacity to make this comment or post it on a black or African-American whatever, you know, uh, post on on a blog about talking about discrimination against black men in the exactly hell no do you think he would have the audacities to say the shit no because he knows he would be read for filth damn right and don't think he can get away with this shit in this one and do you think we're not reading you for filth because we're you know like clearly we are not submissive asian men bitch damn right we're not and so if you want to come for the jolly bee you better get ready to get stung motherfucker that's right let me explain (laughs) some things to you the reason why we have gay asian spaces in the first place is because did you know that i mean i've had friends who used to be in asian asian couples walking down the castro and be called out on the street like as a chink chink couple Mm -hmm. you know we used to have other asians call calling other people other guys other asian guys going out with other asian guys committing incest like what the fuck is that and then again like we were saying like it wasn't just the Intouch that was doing triple ids there were places like the badlands that were really recently you know um Definitely trying to groom their groom their attending public by their ID policies and their hiring policies, right? Mm-hmm. And against Asian men, about against black men. Oh, but, just like becoming a fit, yes. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> but let's like I, let's be really direct about yes. about why these spaces exist. It's not because oh my God, we're trying to create these like covens for Asian men to exclude everyone else. No, it's because folks have not felt welcome in other spaces. And yes, you want to put honey out there for other people that like Asian men? Well, hey, it's Asian night. Does that say, if you ain't Asian, don't come to the store? No, it's because Asian guys want to go there to get fucked. And they want to fuck other people. And whether you are into Asians and you want to fuck people there, great. If you are somebody that appreciates Asians and want to get fucked, well, guess what? Your chances are pretty good that you might find an Asian that also wants to fuck. So don't give me this like line that somehow Asian nights at a club are exclusively for sticky rice, because that is so not the case. Thank God you can actually see sticky rice relationships these days without the shroud of like, oh, you know, what will other people say? 
I don't know, like, how do two bottoms to get together? Because I'm sorry, like, that's also a perpetrated stereotype in this, that somehow, like, you as a white man, maybe a top, want to, you know, find a bottom boy that, you know, to go out with you. Because, of course, if you're going to an Asian club, aren't you going to, going to find someone that wants to get fucked up the ass? Maybe you don't want to get fucked yourself, or maybe you secretly do. Guess what? There's plenty of Asian tops there. Plenty. But guess what? They also have agency and they have selection criteria. And if you're not on their list, then bye, girl. You better go on to the next girl. That's right. Right? What the <laughs> fuck? You do not have you do not have any more supremacy in this game as anybody else. And actually, you do have privilege as a white man because you don't have people in their ads or in their in their apps ignoring you because you're trying to text somebody and suddenly they see a non-white face and say mm, maybe not for me or mm, i don't know i don't know if i want to click on that face because that doesn't look like me fuck you you have no you well for you him it's probably know. the truth because if he saw his face they'd be like okay Next again <laughs> i am not trying i am not trying to meet i am not trying to be mean but i but i am trying to be mean because you know what it's it is not your place to, you know, decide for other people to be explained why them having Asian night offends you. I'm sorry. That's you ridiculous. have every, literally, ridiculous. literally every other night, every other club, every bar in the city to go to, bitch. Oh, my God. Talk and if you think stinky, I'm just Ugh. like, and here's the thing you want to, you know, you want to be. You want to be so mad about Asian men telling their authentic stories about being discriminated against? Who are you to tell them how they feel? How are you to tell them what their authentic experiences are being rejected by every other color? How, how do you think, how do you even think that any of that even means like, I have, I, I come from the opposite experience. Um, I'm somebody that if, I'm into somebody who's Asian, I have to question whether they're sticky or not and whether we align because I don't really look that Asian. So I'm sorry, you're completely negating this entire ability for people to f seek out each other on anything beyond just a racial check mark. And that's, you know, honestly, if you want to have a filter on your app to find yourself an Asian man or a white man or a black man or a Latino man, I'm going to give you an early peek on the perfect app for you to find out whether you have a chance with any of these men. It's called a mirror, bitch. And I'm sorry, I saw your photos. You are ugly as sin. You look like Mr. Potato Man, man that someone put on a stick and lit on fire. You are a melted ass potato. And I'm sorry, like, that is sexy to nobody. And when you have this kind of attitude, you are even less sexy. So fuck you. Stay, go to every other bar you want. If you still want to have an Asian man, there is a lineup for uh, these dumb bitches that want to get with a white man at any cost. And, guess and they're blind. And they are, must be fucking blind if they are fucking you. So good luck out there. Carry a bag for your face. And I'm done. That is stinky as it gets. So as always, we always want to hear from you guys. So... 
please contact us with any comments or feedback or, um, you know, some suggestions for Asian Spotty or even um, Stinky or Sweet Dorian that you want us to talk about or even just questions you might want us to answer on the air. And, you know, now that Panda is single, well... Jollibee too. Um, if you're cute enough, send us a picture of yourself. Jollibee will always be single, sweetie. <laughs> well, maybe not. Send a picture uh, <laughs> to us, and maybe you might even get a date with one of us to go watch the opening of Star Trek Beyond. And you know, and you can always reach us at funkydurian at gmail dot com, and uh, make sure you send a good picture. Ah. Uh. Because that's really important. Clear, clear, clear clear picture. Face picture. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) No fats, no femmes, no... Don't be exactly like us. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, everybody's welcomed. Everybody's welcome. We're equal opportunity here. We will take all comers. All tops, bottoms, talls and shorts. Um, Um, Cute and... Not so cute, maybe. <laughs> Unless you're the dude that, you know... Well, no, I encourage you, sir, to to email us as well, because I would love to hear your side of the story and where you get off on all this shit. Oh, you mean the funky Durian? Oh, the stinky Durian stinky guy, Durian, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to call him out by name, but you know who you oh, are. Oh, yeah, yeah, but if, if you have the audacity Asshole. to post that, I'm pretty sure you have the audacity to write us an email. Oh, I don't have the audacity to read you for more <laughs> And that's the end. And hopefully, you know, you catch up into our next uh, episode, which will be a fourth one. And uh, we'll probably be back in another week or so. Yes. Signing off. All right. Babu.